Hello there, a bit Spursy listener. It's me, Barney. And me, Dan. And we are here to tell you some fantastic news. We have started a free Discord to which you can go on and chat all things Tottenham Hotspur and other related concepts. <laughs> yeah, to join that, uh, head to discord.gg slash a bit Spursy. That's correct. We also now have a Patreon to which you can pay for Spurs-related content. <laughs> and, it sounds uh, like a scam. It's not a scam here. It's, it's not a scam. We're not scamming. We're not scamming. It's, uh, look, we, we love uh, you know creating this podcast and there's a whole bunch of other things that we want to do with some streams, uh, some watch-alongs and, and these sort of bits and pieces. If you would like to help us out and support us there, we'd really appreciate it. We'll be able to create more Spurs, Spurs content and uh, sort of have fun doing that. So if you'd like to do that, uh, please head to Patreon com slash a bit uh, The more of you that are on the Patreon, the less time I have to spend in the coal mine, which is my job. <laughs> so let's get Barney out of the coal mine. And uh, yeah, all links can be found uh, on our website at abitspursy.com. How are you doing? It's a bit Spursy time again. I'm Barney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dan. I love the jubilant mood. <laughs> yeah. This started with. Yeah, Great. I'm trying to um, counteract last week's the farts. So <laughs> this week I'm going with um, long, drawn out sentences. That's the opposite of a fart, right? I, I, I understand that to be the case. It's it's like the a bit Spursy powers that be have told you, look, buddy, we weren't so sure about the fart noises to mm. open up last episode. Mm-hmm. And now you've cheekily kind of gone <laughs> this. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, our producers, all six of them, furious. Yeah. <laughs> um, welcome back to another week. Obviously, we're here in much more positive uh, circumstances this week, Dan, with a 3-2 win over the oil empire, uh, Manchester City. So, um, yeah, how good was that win? Uh, it was incredible. It was It was really good. And also, in some ways... I don't want to come out and say I I, I didn't expect it, mm. but given that we have been a bit of a bogey team for Man City in the last few years, it's not a huge surprise. And given that we had lost two games, which we really should have won, like we were sort of talking before this match, like, oh, wouldn't it just be so typical of us to come out and then beat City yep. <laughs> at their place? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it happened in just such beautiful fashion. Oh. And I th- I think what was so nice about it was that it's not that we we didn't come in there and just sort of win by some kind of like rubbish, you know, lucky goal or anything like that. Like we scored three. We also scored another one, which was ruled offside. Yep. And th- one of their goals was from like a kind of questionable penalty. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's like it, I I kind of couldn't believe the manner of the performance in that sense. Yeah. I mean, once we scored that first goal, Kulusevski scored that goal, um, which was just such a phenomenal move. That pass from Kane was unbelievable. I can't believe that Son passed. That was I was shocked when that happened. Um, and the finish from Kulusevski was so good. Lucas is not scoring there. I promise you that. I promise you he's not scoring there. Well, maybe that's why Son passed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe because he was like he saw someone that can shoot. Um, uh, once that went in, and then they equalised. I was like, okay, that's it. Every time we scored, I kept on being like, what, <laughs> what <laughs> again? <laughs> Yeah, and and I think it's to me. I don't know. You know, we might go into this <laughs> in a bit more depth later on. But 
looking back on the goals after the game was when I truly just realized how kind of composed they were. Because mm. at the time, like you're so built up with emotions and, and all that, and it's difficult to really see the bigger picture from it. But then afterwards, looking back and saying, hang, hang on, all three goals were very calm moves. They all started from the center backs. It all start like the first two, it was uh, Lloris just going to Romero. And then we start Conte's automation, mm-hmm. his evil automations. Yep. That, um, and, and it was like, oh, wow. Like, and I didn't actually realize that when I was watching the game because I think I was just too emotionally invested in it. Um, but yeah, it was it was amazing to see that and see like, yeah, no, this they weren't like brutish counterattacking goals where we've stolen a result um, or anything like that. And like even after the game, I think Pep mentioned like, oh, counterattacking. And he was like, hang on, go back and look at the goals. Like if it comes from a goal kick, it literally cannot be a counterattack. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. there is nothing to counter because we are starting the move. And it's like, I think it's just like Man City can't really hack losing at home. Mm. And so it's like, how do they do that? Oh, they diminish the other team to like, oh, well, they must have used some of the dark arts to to get a result here. Oh, it was counterattacking. They just sat back and absorbed pressure. Oh, how bad of them. Mm. Um, and I'm like, that's just absolutely rubbish. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean... <laughs> Classic Pep, right, when they win, he's always like, wow, whoever they play, it's like Burnley. That's a team of champions, winners, and the greatest people ever. And we won, I guess. And then when he loses, all of a sudden it becomes like, well, they parked the bus and they can't they, well. It's like because that's the way you beat City, right? Uh, anytime anyone does it against them, it's, it's always like they they did the bad thing that everyone hates. It's like, Pep, your possession football is so boring. <laughs> um, oh, totally. And you're, and like you said, it's possession football. If you're going to play that, you need to expect the other team to try and work out a way to beat you. Mm. And it, you can't have this entitled opinion if you're Man City going like, well, we play possession football, so every team we play must play possession football. Mm. But then it's like, Man City, it's like, you've got more expensive players than anyone. So if you try and play on that level with them, you'll just get cut up. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's what they want. They want teams to come uh, and play proper football against them, um, despite the fact that they've got this, like, Galacticos. Uh, they've got, like, three uh, <laughs> 11s that would probably slot into three different teams and um, be better than the current first team at those teams. That was difficult to get through. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I, um, I want to just put a – like a preface of is because we're going to be doing this now. after we play Burnley, we're going to be like, oh, <laughs> sit back anti-football <laughs> if we draw or lose. Um, so uh, I'm sure that's what we'll do, but also we're not Pep and Pep is the worst. So um, it's always good to beat him. Uh, uh, I think as well though, when we talk about other teams sitting back, like when you and I specifically, when we talk about it, we mm. don't really resort to that. No, true. Angle, but I do yeah. know that what you're saying about like there are a, a large portion of the fan base who will then go and complain if a team sort of sits back against us. Mm. Um, maybe also like when we're a bit younger mm. and we say, well, every team should go out there and try and play like Ronaldinho. Yeah. And whereas like I think now um, and, and like looking at the game more tactically and like there's so much more analysis of all these bits and pieces all over the place. I think it's like it's just to me it's more interesting of like, okay, if we know a team is probably going to set up this way. What can we do to try and beat that? Mm. And then we can't complain if we don't manage to beat it. 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I take that back. Usually, and this goes for the majority of Spurs fans, I think, when we play a team and we can't break them down, it just it's like, oh, Tottenham cannot break teams down rather than, <laughs> um, oh, the other team didn't play fair. Um, that attitude that Pep had just filtered through their entire team during the game. They were just... Like, I don't know what De Bruyne has to do to get a yellow card. Apparently it's like behead someone <laughs> because, like, I can't believe he got away with that push. But all all of the game he was, like, leaving a foot in and, and, like, doing a whole bunch of stuff that you're like, how are you getting away with this? And the worst bit, actually, the worst bit was after the uh, the equaliser to make it 1-1. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, a shot and um, I went back and watched this because I heard it on the Wicked Spurs. You guys were talking about it. Uh, Gondwan <laughs> winks at De Bruyne afterwards as if it's like, <laughs> here we go, we've got this. And it was just so good, the fact that we got them in the end. I missed that. But yeah. now I want to go back and see yep. yeah. the wig. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just uh, it makes me so much happier <laughs> to know <laughs> yeah. that that happened. Um, I think on your point about De Bruyne, there's an element too where I th- maybe because he's like usually not very outspoken. He's kind of a bit quiet and arguably the best passer in the world. Have you Aren't seen Harry Kane? Well, Harry Kane's, Harry, <laughs> Harry Kane's up there. Like, yeah. he's definitely up there. But I think De Bruyne, like, he, there is a bit of like a petulant sort of side to him, which mm. I think often gets like overlooked. Yeah. Because he's not always out there making those sort of challenges. But he definitely does like, he just leaves the foot in. He get he does start getting involved a little bit. And I mm. know that like Benton Kerr gave him one back. Yes, we in this, and but I think it was just before another incident happened, so it like it was diffused. Um, but and Bedeker, it was a bit dirty from him, but it was good to like, like just see them giving it back to him rather than it's like you know, Man City can kind of do what they want, and then if another team gets anything, you know, they all just go up, crowd the ref, and it's all like, how could anyone even think of touching us? Mm. Uh, our you know, our billion dollar feet, and you know, all <laughs> yeah. that sort of stuff, yeah, yeah, in our horrible little stadium that uh, <laughs> had plenty of empty seats in it, despite the fact that it was a well, is a big game. Well, it, I mean, it's half ad board now, y- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is like from the first minute of this game, and I'm pretty sure the last time I saw a game at the Etihad, which would have been when we played them last season, mm. the AdWords weren't doubled up. No. Because this was ridiculous. Like, I found this actually genuinely distracting. Yeah. Trying to watch the game because instead of like the normal AdBoards that you have, where it's like, okay, a little like, you know, poorly animated dog chasing a football mm. round, and it's like there's just room for like one word and they keep it pretty basic. Because they've got these like double ad boards now, they've they've got like full like full blown photos of like of Dubai. Yeah, uh, they had all these like crazy colors and animations and stuff going on, and I'm just like, how on earth? <laughs> how are they allowed to just go? You know what? We're doubling the amount of advertising space that is going to be shown to the broadcaster because mm. it's like the broadcaster wouldn't have done made that call. That'd be all city doing that. Yeah, and. Like, I wonder if there's a part of it where Man City are trying to do just some more dodgy, you know, financial things and going like, well, uh, no, 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 we're not getting funding from the, uh, from the owners through other companies. We've got, have you seen, we've got double ad boards now. That's double the ad revenue. That's how we can afford to spend $5 billion this transfer. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that we weren't the first ones to have double ad boards. To me, that seems like a very Tottenham, like, how can we make some money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like uh, the fact that they've got it is also like hilarious because they don't need it. So I think you're probably yeah. right. There's probably some like we, in two years time, it's going to come out that they were using 
double ad boards <laughs> because Dubai paid for, I don't know, something. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But anyway, I uh, I guess I want to, what I want to say is I don't like it. Um, uh, I, I want it to go. And I wonder if it'll be raised as a thing because you think if they get away with it, other clubs will just start doing the same. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just end up having like, you might as well get rid of all the fans and just put a whole like wall, giant mm-hmm. wall of LED ads yeah. just going through the whole game. And I get that ads on some level are supposed to distract you. Like that's what they're designed to do. Mm. But I think you have to kind of have like some balance in place where you're going like, we are putting enough restrictions in place so that they won't ruin the experience of watching a game. Yet, like when you see, you know, Harry Winks hit a beautiful crossfield pass mm. and then the whole screen almost just turns bright pink from this, um, you know, this new Nike Venom boot ad that's <laughs> yeah. going on in the background. I'm like, something's wrong about this. Like this seems something out of like a Blade Runner, like dystopian yeah. future. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I hope it doesn't catch on because that will be uh, a real shame and just be another like chink in the chain. I don't know what metaphor I'm going for. Another lock in the handcuffs that um, late capitalism slash uh, advertising slash corporate interest uh, has on the fans. <laughs> the fans. The fans are in the handcuffs. Um, I hope you enjoyed that <laughs> metaphor that I just made. Um, moving on to the uh, uh, the two uh, the two boys, the two uh, signings that we made in January. How good were both? Like, Kulu was unreal. Yeah. And actually, well, now apparently we need to call him Deki. Yeah. Um, D-E-K-I. Because mm. apparently that's his preferred, um, his preferred nickname. Mm. I wonder if, and I think someone made the point on Twitter that um, Kulu, uh, especially like in Italian, the word for ass is very similar right. to that. So I don't know if he, maybe he made the choice when he was in Serie A. He's like, I don't want people shouting out ass at, yeah. at me um, all the time. Because I saw on Twitter people referring to Deki. I'm like, who are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but apparently that's what... Um, he prefers. Can I say I, I am aware of the uh, the Decky uh, discourse? What 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 he said? Um, <laughs> but to me, Kulu sounds like Cthulhu, um, and I love that big squid. So wait, what's that? Uh, you know, um, famous. Oh my god, now I forgot. Lovecraft, who uh, writes, uh, he wrote a whole bunch of famous horror novels. Um, Call of the Cthulhu is is a I think it's a short story maybe. All right, that yeah. he wrote. He's a horrendous. He's dead, but he's a horrendous person. Um, but the books are very famous. And Cthulhu was like this huge squid that <laughs> that like links uh, <laughs> humanity with the like uh, unknowable chaos. All oh, um, right. So um, that doesn't really fit for how he plays either. But I just well, it could in a way. Like mm. yeah, I think there's a way to make that fit. Yeah. Um, because I think like he, he looks like a bit of a chaotic person in something. Like he looks like he's someone who's always at least a little bit out of control, mm. but it seems like that's just the way that he plays. Yeah. And he is actually in control mm. that way. Like seeing the stats of like how fast he was running. Yeah. Like I was shocked that he was sort of equal second fastest behind Son mm. in that game. And it's like, he hobbles around like a bit of an old man. Yeah. But he actually gets up a pretty big decent speed Mm. so and i think just the way he plays it's like yeah he's very sort of unorthodox in what he does yeah um but could you ask more from a first performance for him no it would be impossible he literally didn't stop running for the entire game the whole 97 eight minutes of it like it was such an impressive athletic performance along with 
how intelligent his play was. And he just gave us this extra piece that we wouldn't usually have if we had Lucas in the team where he can pass, he can think about movements before they're happening rather than kicking the ball forward and just being like, <laughs> here we go. Um, yeah, it was awesome. It, it felt to me a little bit like Gareth Bale in the Mourinho season, but younger, fitter, you know, faster in, in the sense that the third option has uh, a wider skill set basically than, than what we're used to. Than just being a fast boy. Than just being, uh, yeah, the fast man. Yeah. And I think like the good thing about um, his game too, like he was getting back and defending well. Mm. Um, and I think he didn't, he probably like gave the ball away a little bit just because like how City were pressing yeah. constantly. But overall, like I, I can't really fault his performance there. I think someone like Benton Kerr, there were definitely moments where he was getting caught on the ball. Yeah. But then at the same time, I don't hate that because I feel like he's going to be a player which is like pushing the boundary of that for us and mm. it'll take a while for him to adjust and, and kind of learn what he can get away with in the league and what he can't compared to Serie A. Mm -hmm. And I prefer him to be playing on the edge there mm. rather than playing it very, very safe mm. and sort of, you know, never giving the ball away there, but then we just get another kind of run of the mill. Yeah, midfielder because I feel like he's kind of you know calmness and composure mm. um, and willingness to go like you know what yeah I'll do a little drag back here and mm. I'll uh, like that's what we need in yeah. there. Um, but then as well like he's you know some of his passes um, especially into that last goal like there was a beautiful pass over the top mm. um, and the little he did this little drag back on like the edge of the six yard box um, I think like Gundogan or someone like that was pressuring him um, and doing that <laughs> and it was just like. Don't do it there, but also, yeah, kind of do it there because mm. he got away with the ball and, and did that. So I think overall, uh, another good performance from him. Yeah, I was really impressed. Again, I think his what he brings to the team, exactly like you said, uh, playing at the edge there uh, and trying stuff, and but also being so solid as well is is definitely – we've either had try stuff and it's not it, – it works sometimes, but also it doesn't really, or – like the Harry Winks, like solid, just doesn't do anything exciting, doesn't progress the play. And what, the thing I really liked about watching him is that when he did on the occasion lose the ball, his reaction was like, all right, I'm going to kill whoever's got it to get it back. Mm. Um, and that, you know, is is missing um, or has been missing from our midfield. And, and he's pressing so high as well. Mm. Oh, yeah, he's pressing so high. And uh, Pierre was really good. Also very fast, apparently. Very fast. <laughs> yeah, equal second fastest with uh, Klusevsky. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I feel it's inter it's interesting because just before recording this pod, we saw some murmurs go up on Twitter of like, oh, is Pierre going to be sold? Um, and it's like, I don't know how we get from last week, you know, we lose a couple of times and then everyone seems to blame it on Pierre. Mm. The, it's his fault. Yep. Everything, even though, oh, he's not playing. It's his fault that he's not mm. playing because of what he, it's ridiculous. And then we have a win where he plays and plays pretty well, mm. um, added a lot of like energy in there, even at the end where there was that ball. And I think it was maybe, a, I was I think it was probably against Walker and he just sprinted, 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 cleared mm. it, got it out like deep in their half. Mm. Um, and this was like after we'd scored the third. And so just to see him going and like, like that sort of like, you know, fighting spirit that he has. Mm. I don't think we can, 
I don't know how we get from there to then uh, two days later going, oh, Pierre's probably going to be sold in the in the summer. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, we could probably get rid of it. Like, and it's, I'm just like, what do you, like this is the most composed Spurs performance mm. that I can remember watching for a long, long time. Yeah. And <laughs> like you, we've got to give Pierre some credit for being a part of that. Yeah. Well, I thought he was excellent. Like his play was excellent. His organization of the midfield was excellent. His uh, organization in terms of the whole team and his communication was excellent. Like he doesn't shut up. Um, and, you know, there was that, uh, what was the game he missed? Was it Wolves that he missed or was it? Yeah, it was yeah he missed Wolves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we looked even more disorganized without him there, especially on top of Dyer not being there. And then he comes back and we get, the, you know, this performance. And obviously Dyer being back made a huge difference. Mm. The defense looked <laughs> completely different. It was um, it was really good to see. Um, but, yeah, I just – there was no one that – you know, Sessegnon and Royale were fine, but everyone else was fantastic. Especially like Harry – that's maybe – I know people have been saying, like, that might be Harry's best performance. I genuinely think it was his best performance in a Spurs – Sure. Like it was so good. Mm. Um, well, I think it, it finally had like the, the combination that maybe Conte has, that's what he's been speaking about of there's enough of Harry getting deep, getting involved, getting on the ball and just spraying it. Mm. Um, like his, his passing is like his delayed to earlier. It's amazing. Mm. Uh, but then he was also getting forward mm. too and getting in the box and getting on the end of things. Mm. And I feel like that's maybe like when we had like Jose Harry it's like, yeah, he dropped back and he like, you know, he scored mm -hmm. the most goals and most assists, but he definitely lost a bit of that, like, you know, attacking edge to really just get in the box and score. And like yeah. that hunger and desire just to get on the end of things and score. Mm. And it seemed like now in, in this game, it's like, yeah, he kind of had both of those elements going for him and he's looking really sharp again. Mm. Yeah. He looked really sharp. Um, that was it the second goal that unbelievable. Like, oh yeah, just the skill in that. Um, and then there was a goal that he didn't, that he he really should have scored as well. Yeah, which was another great move. Mm. Um, but then it was him getting through into the middle of the box. Yeah, and Son playing him in. Mm. And I guess we're so used to going back to that Jose Harry of like Harry dropping back and Harry just playing Son through, mm. and that was like so much a part of our play. Yeah. Whereas now it's great to see, yeah, Son actually feeding Harry a couple of times. Mm. Um, and we're not just relying on Son's pace to try and beat a defense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's um, there's a lot more going on. Um, and I know that you were uh, very pleased for a player known as Matt Doherty. Uh, <laughs> um, after he made, what was it? He made a block and then he like celebrates. <laughs> yeah. the, but he's kind of shocked that he... <laughs> It's like it was after we scored the winner mm. and it was it probably ended up being like City's last chance. Um and that yeah, they sort of I forget who the city player was, it possibly Silver, um, sort of cut in and then sort of had a shot. Doherty made the block. It wasn't a huge diving block where he came out of nowhere and like slid five meters and mm. cleared there. It was kind of like he just dropped a knee and put a foot out. Yeah. Uh, it was a good block though. But then as the ball sort of cleared away, you see, yeah, Doherty like clenches his fist <laughs> and he just gives like a, yes, come on to himself <laughs> while everyone else is sort of like not <laughs> reacting at all. Yeah. But then he realizes that like he's got to get back into his position because then you're like, 
cuts himself off and then starts sprinting mm. um, to sort of go down the wing. Yeah. Um, but it just made me, like, we've been very critical of Doherty basically since he signed for us. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. Like, I like him more just because I saw that moment for him. Like, that was that was Doherty's goal, yeah. was doing that little block. <laughs> yeah. And it just meant so much to him yeah. that he did his part to, like, you know, stop a shot going in. Um, in sort of the dying moments of a game, so it was just a it was just a moment I really liked from the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was a nice moment. It was a nice moment. Um, <laughs> one moment that I uh liked, but also disliked, but liked because it, I got to uh build another conspiracy theory was um Craig Porson's reaction to our winner. Oh uh, yeah. When he turns to Pep and he looks, he kind of looks at Pep as if he's like, ah. Oh, you and me, best friends. Jeez, it's gone bad for us. Um, it looks terrible. Like it really looks bad from a refereeing standpoint in the, in the sense that he shouldn't be reacting like that to anyone's goal. But it could literally also, I was thinking about this on the way over here, uh, have been the result of like maybe Pep said something really good and he turned around and he was like, oh, don't say that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But also it looks terrible. Yeah, you're right. It looks terrible from that angle and... Mm. Like I, yeah, I feel like you know the officials shouldn't really be reacting mm. unless it's like I want to say unless it's positive, but mm. I'm only saying that because sometimes like I really find it funny, especially with Mike Dean in the past yeah. when he's like, and if you look up on YouTube, Mike Dean celebration compilation or whatever, it's like you know there are moments where you know someone scores a goal and he's 20 meters behind and he's moving his foot to mime like kicking it in and <laughs> stuff like that. There's moments where a goal is scored and he like sprints off with his arms up like. <laughs> Every that so I'm like I I'm fine for the referees to have some sort of personality and I think mm. that's actually good and makes it more entertaining, but yeah the way he did it it was like a big sigh yeah as in like oh no yeah as opposed to like oh my goodness yeah like and there's a difference between that because mm. if he had the reaction of like oh wow what a game I couldn't yeah. didn't see that coming mm. fine. But yeah, it was very much, it looked like a sigh of like, oh no. Yeah. And then looking at Pep who was like squatting on the ground <laughs> yeah. and then Antonio just absolutely goes ballistic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was good. <laughs> it was so good. Um, yeah. I, I want, I mean, all Antonio celebrations have been fantastic, but I'm still waiting for the running down the touchline celebration. Um, and I, I just want one so bad. Um, and it hasn't come, Dan. It hasn't come yet. Well, I think we're, we're getting there because mm. it's like the nice thing that's happening with these with Antonio so far is that we've had some really good like games and moments. Like mm. if you look at like the best Premier League games this season, and I'm probably in no qualified position to say this <laughs> because I only watch Spurs games really yeah. with a few other bits and pieces there. Um, but like the Liverpool game was great. Mm hmm. Um, and then we've had the Leicester game yep. and you're like that, okay, that's a once in a season game. Mm. Now we've had it again <laughs> with City yeah, and they've been against two, like, you know, who we would consider on the tougher side of the mm. opponent scale. So it's like, I feel like we're going to get more moments like this, mm. especially if we, uh, you know, attack games in the manner that we did against City where we were still very calm, even in the 95th minute, mm. like we are still very calm mm. when we had possession and we're like, all right, we just know that this automation we're about mm. to run, cool, we need maybe like 40 seconds to do it, but yeah. that's great. We don't need a panic here. Mm. Um, and that was evident by the Man City players were sprinting around like headless chickens, like yeah. trying to get the ball back. And we were just very calmly passing it around. Mm. So it kind of makes me think that we we might end up seeing 
more of this and more kind of like late goals. Um, because if we're playing in this manner and if, especially if this is how we're going to play against high pressing teams, that's when they're like these high pressing teams are absolutely exhausted mm. and they're more likely to make silly errors yeah. and they're more likely to overcommit in the press because they're desperate for a win, but they are so tired mm. that they're not really thinking straight. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like we are not far away from getting one of these touchline sprints from him. Oh, I hope so. Um, I felt also like this was, you know, people, well, I think we've spoken about it before the Pochettino five, three against Mourinho in 2015 was like the, the big Pochettino get on board moment. <laughs> yeah. And it felt to me like, I oh, know we've already had Leicester, but this, especially against city away felt exactly like that, where you kind of can't quite believe what's happening as you're watching it. Um, and then, you know, they, the team plays at a level that you, like you said, I haven't seen a Spurs team be so composed in, I don't know how long that it, it, it sort of appears like something has clicked. Mm. Um, but yeah, it really felt like that. It was, it was a very cool. Yeah. It's like that, that identity has started coming from that. And that's, we've spoken about that before as well of, it feels like we haven't had that for a long time. And yeah. we've played against other teams who on paper, we don't consider to be as good but they have a very distinct way of playing and they're very well drilled in that. Um, like Southampton, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, but it finally feels like after this game, it's like, oh, wow, we, we now saw, because I think in previous games, we'd seen elements of like Conte um, getting the team to play how he wants them to play, but we hadn't really seen it come together. Yeah. But then in this game, we saw that happen consistently throughout the game mm. and construct numerous attacks that were cohesive in that manner that we're like, you can go, oh, that is definitely a Conte attack there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, whether it is that combination of, you know, just the more time that these players have had, they're starting to understand exactly what he wants. Mm. Um, plus also the fact now that we're back to full strength pretty much. And, you know, we spoke a lot about Dyer coming back in and I thought Dyer was great. Mm. And just also having Dyer centrally and then being able to have Romero out to the right. Huge. Um, it's so huge. And especially that if we want to reset and pass out from the back, um, like you see Davies, it, it doesn't really come out from him too much, but having Dyer and Romero, like that's key to, mm. <laughs> to sort of starting all these plays. Mm. And then now having, you know, someone like Benton Kerr in the mix, having like, you know, just people who are comfortable getting the ball and can make good passes under some sort of, you know, small pressure, um, I don't know. It's like probably a combination of all these things mm. starting to really sort of come together. Um, and yeah, I, like I don't know how anyone could sort of, if you're a Spurs fan now, I don't know how you could still just, you know, jump online and be negative about anything. Like <laughs> yeah. this is the stuff to enjoy. <laughs> mm, exactly. Exactly. And it's not going to be around for very long knowing Antonio Conte. So <laughs> just take a break because <laughs> there'll be plenty of time afterwards, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, and I think too, it's like some people criticize like, oh, you celebrate this game like you've won the title. And it's like, no, I, I, I get that criticism. But also at the same time, like these sort of games are the ones that you remember forever. Yeah. Um, like the Amsterdam game, like mm. we didn't win the Champions League, but that comeback was incredible. Mm. And it's like, that'll live in your memory. I think uh, I'm not going to say more than winning a trophy, mm. but to me, it's like, it's in the same sort of ballpark of like things that you'll always remember, like, oh, remember that city game yeah, where we scored the 95th mm. after they got a penalty in the 92nd. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I think that there's nothing wrong with like getting a sort of, you know, 
worked up about those things in a positive way and, and really sort of like enjoying those moments. Yeah. I mean, what kind of killjoy is like, you celebrated that in a way that I thought was too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Settle cool. down. Yeah. <laughs> Conte's going to walk anyway. Yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Great. It must be amazing to be you. <laughs> you must be joyous. Yeah. And uh, I think I, I was just going to add in like the, um, I think something we, the last episode we recorded before Conte's response had happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but on like all that rubbish about like, you know, the interview that he did and like how he's leaving, he hates the club and all that. And then obviously he came out and clarified a few points on that. And he's mm. like, no, I didn't say we have 1% chance of making fourth. I said, as long as there's 1% chance, mm. we are going to go for whatever we can do. Yeah. Um, and I think it was such a good game to see as a bounce back to this week of like, uh, you know, just absolutely horrendously rubbish reporting everywhere. Mm. Um, and it's like, all right, reporters, like you're going to say something positive about Spurs now? Yeah. <laughs> Can we get that? Can we earn that? Mm. Or no, we're still going to go back to, well, Harry's going to leave in the summer. Yeah. Well, we and have already. I've already seen <laughs> new articles. I saw something uh, by my best friend, David Ornstein, that was like, um, if uh, at the end of the season, Harry wants to leave, he might refuse any offers for him in the following season and then leave for a free when he's 31. I was like, so that means he's going to play out his contract? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> what? Like, so annoying. And like, um, like, yeah, like you said, the reporting on that interview was insane. And it was just terrible. It was terrible journalism. Um, I just, it must be so frustrating. Um to be a Premier League manager, especially one whose uh, first language is, a, you know, Italian or Portuguese or whatever. And then mm. you, you do an interview and then all these idiots like use Google Translate to like <laughs> just try and get the most inflammatory quotes they possibly can. Definitely. Uh, and, and I know this from like even speaking, like mum's Italian. Mm. And so in certain times, like I'll try and speak some Italian when I can yeah. with her and then but there'll be certain things where I'm like, oh, cool. This kind of translate, right? And I'll mm. like say something to be like, mm, yeah, but in it doesn't really mean that. Mm. Like you, you don't, it doesn't have that meaning. I'm like, mm. what? And she's yeah. like, no, 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 if you say that, it doesn't actually, it almost doesn't mean anything. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. And that can be a very basic sort of saying. Mm. And so it's like, yeah, when this, there's, you know, journalists trying to pull quotes from everything. And like they will chop and choose anything from a from an article that has been recorded, you know, or from mm. a transcript that is purely just straight in English. Mm. Let alone having the opportunity to, to take a, a different language translator and then come up with some sort of rubbish there. Mm. Um, but it's like, I think it's just it's so tiring that we constantly have to go through this. Like one article I saw, I didn't read the article, but the headline just popped up, and it was like, uh, "Man City's performance shows Pep what he's missing." Yeah. Sorry, um, Harry Kane's performance shows yeah. shows Pep what he's missing, and I'm just like, are you serious? That the first thing you choose to write about after this game is how well Harry Kane would like fit into Pep's team, and that was that was the big takeaway from mm. this, rather than like, hey, Spurs might actually be kind of good. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I read a well, didn't read, but saw headlines as well of um various articles of of like. Was that Harry Kane's live audition for Pep Guardiola? It's like he's he beat Manchester <laughs> City with Antonio Conte. Like I reckon he's probably pretty happy about that. Like it's it it wasn't this one man performance where you know we've got Nuno in the dugout and he just like drags the team along. 
it was a very complete team performance. Harry had a really good game. Like, yeah, it's so infuri- it, it coincides with after Poch left um, and then we had Mourinho and then we started having this sort of like, and I think this fan base maybe is adjusting to the like, big club mentality, but the media um, scrutiny like has just exponentially um, risen since uh, Mourinho. And so we just constantly get these insane articles now. It feels like to me, it feels very different to previously to Poch. Well, well, I almost feel like when Poch came through that there was still that kind of underdog mentality or that underdog like treatment in a sense where mm. he'd done really well at Southampton, but he hadn't proven himself anywhere else really. Yeah. Um, and he hadn't even won anything at Southampton. Mm. So it was just like a really young up and coming manager who might have some really, you know, cool ideas. Um, and then as we started playing well with that, it was kind of like Poch was growing as the team grew. Mm. So there was, there did end up becoming scrutiny around like, oh, they bottled this, bottled that and all this mm. sort of rubbish. But then now I almost feel like, because now we've actually got like, you know, an established world-class manager that the media just wants us to, and fellow fan, sorry, fans of other clubs, they want us to fail more than ever mm. because now that if we, if we like fail with Conte and we don't win mm. anything, then that gives them the opportunity to go, look, Spurs couldn't even win anything with the best manager ever. Mm. Um, and it really plays up into their narrative of, of Spurs being rubbish and just, you know, mm. um, you're just always just going to be hanging around but never actually do anything. Yeah. So I feel like there's so much more of a drive for that now. And it's like, why are Spurs journalists all not Spurs supporters? Yeah. And it's, it follows the same pattern. They're always harping on about the rubbish and they never, ever go into the positives. Yeah, like if you – we've literally got Alistair Gold and uh, Rob Guest and Dan Kilpatrick <laughs> and, then, and then the rest of the uh, sort of flagship uh, journalists, they don't go for Tottenham. Like, and you can tell. <laughs> totally. And to clarify, my comments, not about those, them. Not about them. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying that we've only got three. I yeah. know. Me yeah. just clarifying as well just to make sure <laughs> yeah. that like it's it's like – you know, when they're talking, if they give some criticism, it's usually a bit more balanced, and it's like, mm. okay, cool, yeah, this is this is some of the criticisms that fans, uh, that level-headed fans are feeling. Yeah. Uh, but these other ones, like Matt Law and these sort of people, oh. like it's just pure inflammatory garbage. Mm. And it's like they, these newspapers, it's like they they're employing these journalists more so for, you know, fans of other clubs to read about <laughs> how bad we are. Yeah. And. It's just like so tiring. So it's exhausting. How is Matt Law our um, correspondent for the Telegraph? Like he just clearly. I mean, they he obviously does it on purpose so they get more clicks or whatever. But <laughs> like, how have they not been like? I wonder how it would go if we had someone that um, not even likes Spurs, just was ambivalent towards them, <laughs> rather than someone that hates them. And like, it's not, I I assume that he went for Chelsea or Arsenal. He goes for Aston Villa. Like, (laughs) why? It's like, why is there any hate? Where's all the beef there? Yeah, I don't know. But I think, what look, something that has been nice is that, um, you know, as we've mentioned, we have started Discord. Mm. And at least on there, like, it's it's nice. Like, there's, you know, we've uh, there's a a bit of a community starting to build. And we're having discussions that don't revolve around all this sort of negative Rhetoric all the time. So I've personally really enjoyed logging onto there and chatting as mm. opposed to logging onto Twitter. 
Yeah. Um, because it's like you just end up being a lot more positive about the situation. Totally. <laughs> at the end well, of it. it was awesome to, um, you know, be up at 4.30 in the morning watching this game and then have that open and have um, – who was up? Marty was up. Um, there were a couple of other guys up on the Discord and just being able to chat in this little space. Like I didn't even look at Twitter for the whole game because I was like, well, I'm getting, the you know, the instant reactions that I actually want here um, from people that I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, like flip out. Um, so, yeah, I, it's really – as much as we're like, join, 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 I, I really uh, uh, have been enjoying it. Yeah, well, I mean, generally, we created the space so we would have a place to be able to do that stuff. Mm. And it has been really fun. So, yeah, if, you, if you've been thinking of joining Discord, um, please, please do. It's, uh, it's, it's free to do. And like, even just for the matches, you know, to jump on there and just, you know, have some people to chat to as you watch the games, which makes it, you know, a bit more of, well, a lot less of a lonely experience. Exactly. Um, watching those. And I guess on that point, Barney, we are moving the Abitspursy medal mm. to the Discord. Yes, we are. Um, yeah, we're going to have a rejig of the Abitspursy medal and make it more interactive so it's not just us uh, throwing harpoons at players we don't like and delivering flowers to those that we do. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes not, forgetting. Forgetting. Uh, also um, having sort of a more regulated scale <laughs> by which the, the players are uh, – I think we're just going to go with the ratings, right? Like it's not going to be uh, good and bad. It's just like you can give a bad rating, but – Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. So we'll have that sort of up on the Discord in the next, you know, day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so, you know, if there are any fans out there who just were like really, really hoping to hear the bit Spursy medal, uh, it is now going to be on discord, yep. uh, in a more interactive format. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone can get involved. Yep. And, um, if you are going to jump on, I will be on there six 30 in the morning on Thursday, um, for the Burnley game. So see you there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I've been Barney as always. I've been Dan and, uh, yeah, a short episode today. It's, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's good. It's like, it's nice to just be able to celebrate and like have a good week and not worry too much about all the sort of, you know, uh, negative questions about the squad and all that. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been good. It feels really nice. And we've got two games in the next few days. So, uh, we'll be back with a, uh, a longer episode, uh, next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did pretty well because we also got our, you know, like whinging about Twitter and journalists in to the short episode. Um, so well done to us. Um, <laughs> see you on the Discord on Thursday if you're going to be on there and come on you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.